Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. We are the New York Knicks. I'm back. Back in the New York And welcome to episode 329 of the New York Knicks podcast. I am Jay. Uh, Mark is with me as always. And we got special guest Jim Kevin on the show today. I say your last name differently every time you're on the show. I thought you it was got it this time. I appreciate it. All right. uh, it's, it's, thanks, guys, for having me on. I can't tell you how much I missed that intro. It's, it's maybe my all-time favorite podcast intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> is it It's Kevin, not Kevin? It is Kevin, yeah. I okay. think. <laughs> I, okay, I've been getting it wrong all this time. That's what my parents told me. But the more I read into sort of the genealogy, the more I realize that we might actually be pronouncing it wrong. Uh, well, it we'll, might we'll actually just... be like... Caban, which is the go-to for most people, and I've always had to correct them. And as I understand Gaelic, that's actually how it's pronounced. So I don't know what happened. Hmm. Maybe it's Cavain, and you could be like, "You're so Cavain. You think this song is about you?" <laughs> Jime Cavain. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. There's like a triangle over the A and an umlaut over the V. Like, <laughs> the V is actually a B. It's, it's all messed up. For those joining us, we're going to explain the next 40 minutes on the nomenclature behind uh, Jim's name. <laughs> uh, Let's not so, do that. <laughs> the Knicks are playing now. They're, they're mounting a comeback. Uh, so what, 
you move, Jim, what, what's your take on the season so far? Is it uh, in the sense of last year was an abomination? This year, expectations weren't that high. We got a bunch of new players, though. Things started off okay. They've gone downhill recently. What's, what's your take on the season? Are you happy, sad, in between? Yeah, in between. Uh, I don't want to say indifferent. That's the wrong word. But I feel like they are going to end up where most people predicted they would be. And I was a little bit optimistic. I think I predicted uh, 37 wins. And it's looking like that's probably going to be unlikely, but most people had them pegged somewhere in the 30 to 35, 37 neighborhood. And that's likely where they'll end up. And they started off somewhat strong, somewhat surprising, and have just reverted back to the old Knicks, or at least the Knicks of last year in very key ways. And I feel like the firing of Fisher, however warranted you think it was, definitely disrupted them I, I feel like uh, as That's... much as Fisher was a polarizing finger and maybe the players weren't responding to him in the way that Jackson wanted I don't see how Rambus is an improvement on this front and it's a little disconcerting that we're already getting leaks about how Jackson's wish is that Rambus keeps this job and he maintains his hold and becomes the Knicks coach for the long term. Ooh. I think that's pretty terrifying to most of us. Yeah. They said one of the comments was in the, behind the firing. They said uh, it was reported that Phil felt that uh, Phil um, Fisher should have used his assistants more um, mm. than he was using them. And do you think Fisher now is like, see, this is why I wasn't using Rambus? Yeah, well, that, that I, that's <laughs> That's interesting, and you wonder if Rambus maybe went to Jackson and paddled on Fisher or something like he's not asking me my opinion. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know Rambus well enough, you know, beyond sort of the abysmal numbers. Um, it's coaching dossier, but it just doesn't look like the long-term solution. I, I don't really like his demeanor. I don't hate it, but I don't really like it. Uh, his comments about Porzingis from a couple of days ago were, were pretty alarming, uh, particularly given what we know about how he handled Kevin Love those first few years in Minnesota. So there are things to be concerned about. At the same time, you have no idea who's leaking this shit, and we, we don't know what Jackson is thinking about a long-term solution. Maybe he reaches out to Thibodeau. Maybe he has another ace up his sleeve. Um, but as the weeks swear on, it seems like the firing of Fisher maybe was a little more rash than, than we initially thought. Well, I imagine the uh, well, I imagine the uh, the whole thing with uh, there's more to the whole uh, Matt Barnes thing, and then you hear about the Tim Hardaway thing, mm-hmm. and the also team was collapsing. There's also a matter of it's if they it's all about how you get to that record, and the fact that they start off 22 and 22, and then like the stitch started collapsing. I feel like Phil said, this is not working. He's not getting better as a coach. Let me try to move on. Um, and hoping that would jumpstart the team. They say, okay, we have to get serious. The guy's fired. We have to... Most teams, I feel like, win a couple games after their coach gets fired because it, spur- it spurs them. And here they were like, okay, time to give up. Give up. Yeah, and I, it's a slight second-guessing. This isn't a severe second-guessing. And, who, you know, a year from now, if we're in the playoff on, you know, we had a couple key free agents and we're, we're, we're back on track, uh, we look back at this and say, who cares, um, yeah. whether Rambus is still around or not. So I guess the, uh, the whole 
he called out Porzingis in the media, which I guess was Phil Jackson thing always to call players out in the media as a way to motivate them. Do you think this was a little much calling out a guy like Porzingis who's been like the like the, the ultimate bright spot of the whole season? Um, I, I, I don't know whether it bothers KP. That's impossible to say. Um, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Herring, Chris Herring, who said that if anything, Porzingis is harder on himself than any coach could ever be. And he's probably not going to let this bother him. At the same time, it was just an awkward way to phrase things. Even if you don't think that some of his shots are within the flow of the offense, how many times have coaches called out Carmelo by name with that exact same criticism? Not too often. So the fact that it's a rookie and that, you know, I don't know what the motivation was. Again, we had to look at, what little sample size we have and the sample size we have is an abysmal one from a head coaching perspective and one that shows that he alienated a few young players. So that's concerning and it warrants questioning whether you really want this guy to be stewarding arguably the most important cornerstone that we've had in 30 years. You know, I mean the other stuff he said, realistically, I would like Porzingis doing more shooting from close to the basket. I, I think it's hard to argue that he, when he's, He's uh, he'd be fantastically effective close to the basket. Um, he does sometimes shoot um, some some ill-advised shots. A lot of stuff that a rookie would do, and maybe this is just like him saying, "I'm going to hold you to a higher level. I want you to work harder and improving faster." Sure, and I think there's a time for that, and I think that time is in the off season. And and history, NBA history is rife with players coming back after an offseason with a new weapon in their arsenal. We, you know, we've, we've seen it with Dirk, speaking of a big guy. Uh, Amare added a really deft post game there. Um, I believe after his first season with the Knicks. It's, it's possible. I, I don't doubt for a second that Przingis has the constitution to understand what he needs to improve, and he'll hit the ground running this summer. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he came back next fall, not only, you know, 20 pounds heavier, but – with uh, a more depth touch around the rim. I think that's that's something that we should expect, and I think that's something that he expects of himself. I mean, I guess part of it also is, you're right, the timing of it, it should have been more towards the offseason, and you're calling this guy out when half your team looks like a joke at times. Like, why mm-hmm. not call Calderon out for uh, his lack of actually playing point guard? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and part of it is, these guys are get, half the questions these guys are getting, half the question any visiting coach is getting, any visiting player is getting, is about Porzingis. So when that's the case, inevitably there are going to be some quotes that maybe ring a little wrong, you know? So uh, just speaking of other players, uh, I, Herring actually wrote a piece, uh, Chris Herring wrote a piece uh, recently about how Calderon would be, the best move they could make with him would be making him the shooting guard. Um, because his game right now translates better. He's... When he shoots the ball, the only time he actually contributes is when he shoots the ball because he actually is still a pretty mm-hmm. good shooter. Um, his, he does not create offense anymore. I, I was thinking about that with his article and then thinking about Galloway, who's really not a point guard either. And I was thinking the fact yeah. that we just don't really have a point guard. The only guy who actually plays point guard, though not necessarily as well as we'd like right now, is Grant. Mm-hmm. Do you think they should, they should try to move? I mean, is there something to the fact that they should say Calderon? You should be out there looking for your own offense, playing more shooting guard, and just move him over. Would the team be better? Like, is it is it helpful to have Calderon dribble the ball up slowly and pass the ball, and then do nothing else? I think 
yeah, I think Calderon's destiny at this point in his career, and I hope this comes to pass for him, is to be a backup point guard on a really good team, which I think he can be. And they didn't deal him at the deadline. Maybe there's something to be done over the summer. Because uh, I know, you know, at this stage in his career, he probably wants to be put in a, in a position to win. And I'm sure the um, the abrasiveness of us in the New York media are, are, is wearing on him. Um, and it's just an awkward trio of guards, not not individually, but as they fit into this quote-unquote system. You know, Calderon and Galloway are, are to an extent and to different extents, combo guards. And that's fine in the triangle where not as much primacy is placed on being a quote-unquote pure point guard, which is what Grant is. But if you're playing to Grant's strengths, then you're inevitably getting away from the triangle and the Knicks don't want to do that. So it poses all all of these systemic sort of questions of fit. Who fits next to who and what offense should we be running? And these are questions that need to be sorted out. And we'll see, I think, over the summer how adamant Jackson and Rambis and, and whoever they hire as the head coach is really about running this particular offense. I know it's kind of morphed into a hybrid and et cetera, et cetera, but um, do they want to try to shoehorn this offense in or do they want to try to develop something resembling a 21st century offense? I think that'll be a huge storyline going forward. You think this is all part of uh, Phil Jackson's grand plan to like cement his legacy by proving he was the only guy that can make the triangle work because look how much of a disaster it is when anyone else tries it. I don't know about that. I think that's <laughs> I think it's, it's joking. Uh, it, it, yeah, but I, I, I've heard a couple of people pose that. And I mean, he is smart like a fox enough to where if that ever came out in whatever form, a book, um, an accidental media blurt out, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I think he's just proven that. I think more than anything, he's proven that no matter the, uh, no matter the system you have, it's very helpful to have one, if not two, top ten players of all time on your roster at that time. Yep. That that would be more than anything. I mean, whatever the triangle, you can run the box, the quadrangle, whatever. The, what do you want to run? You got Michael Jordan there, or Kobe Bryant and Shaq. It's going to work a lot better. Yep. Um, and this triangle will look a hell of a lot better if uh, Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook were in it. So, do you think people should stop talking about them already? Because they're not coming here. Do you have? Are you one of the people that is, is a believer that they might actually come here, or do you think this is just like a? Uh, one of the things we keep telling ourselves that, okay, the other star will finally come here. LeBron will get here or. Oh, this is, oh yeah. It's one of the um, prime neuroses of Knicks fans is like this obsession with landing a top five superstar. It never happens. Um, Stoudemire certainly wasn't mellow at the time we acquired him. You can make a case as a top 10 player, but yeah, I think it's, it's probably a pipe dream, but you never know. It depends on how well Anthony maintains both his health and his productivity, and it depends on how big of a leap Przingis can make. And it, it, it's 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 going to be tough, though. Um, I, I I honestly don't foresee Durant going anywhere, and Westbrook is a little bit harder to peg, but you you can't hinge your future on landing one of those two guys. And that's where Jackson's creativity is going to have to come into play, whether it's getting rid of Mello and getting a bunch of picks and really starting from scratch and pushing that sort of contention window down four or five more years until Porzingis is in his prime. Um, that might end up having to be the play. I mean, it seems like the best, I mean, generally throughout history of the NBA, 
most of it's been done through the draft with a little bit of adding free agents later on. For mm-hmm. the most part, you have to get the, the, the pieces there. Um, and it's not going to turn around overnight, even though we want it to turn around every hour. Uh, it's, a t- it's a tough, it's a tough, I'm relating to like a Mets fan. I'm a huge Mets fan. Sandy Allison came here, said we're going to turn things around. For the first five years, fans wanted to like string him up, murder him. It was so awful. And then suddenly it started paying <laughs> off. Uh, and you were like, oh my God, he's a genius. How did he know this would all work? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things like for the Knicks, I feel like Porzingis is what, 19, 20 years old? Hopefully, we're not going to do anything stupid and let him go where he gets injured. You have him, he's not even going to hit his prime for another five years. The next five, five, six years, you can really like improve this roster greatly and be really ready, ready to contend when Porzingis is coming into his prime. And that's probably the best way to actually have sustained success. I would tend to agree. And um, it's the impatient bone in our, in our, in our being that wants the quick hit home run because we suffered for so long and who knows. Um, but I, I think that's still the smartest play and it's, it's a strategy that's proven to be the most consistently reliable in terms of maintaining some semblance of, um, competitiveness. And it's a, it's a system that Dolan has been really reluctant to, um, to lean on over the years, and I don't know how much patience he has, or whether he has the kind of patience to really see something like that through. And like just thinking about that, that bigger picture, then I see the the microcosm that you watch Rambus right now, and not that Grant is necessarily going to be this great guy who's going to lead us anywhere. You see him sacrificing minutes for Grant to give Calderon more minutes, or put Sasha in the game, or just try to win at all costs. When you're kind of saying, well. Mm-hmm. Is this really going to help us? So if we miss the playoff by five games versus we miss the playoffs by like 10 games versus trying to actually develop a roster. I think they honestly believe they still have a chance, which is ludicrous. And I think we're trending in like the 2% territory now. Uh, last time I looked at the numbers, I mean, so there's the, no they're... chance that we're going to make the playoffs. And I don't know whether they just don't believe that or whether they feel like with a lot of these coaches and a lot of these hard ass coaches in particular, and I think Rambus sort of fits this bill and you saw a little bit of this when he was in Minnesota withholding playing time from a really young player is a way for them to prove a point whatever that point may be. And it's a tough balancing act. I think and it's not excusing it, but it's a tough balancing act to both hold the player accountable and give him the reps necessary to be better. And that's what good coaches do. They find that balance. Rambus has proven <laughs> unable to do that thus far. I don't know if he's willing to change. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see, particularly as it concerns Grant. It's it's weird though. I understand that. I get the idea of like the playing time is the key thing you can hold over their heads to try to make them improve their game. But at the same time, the guys that are playing up in front of him are playing awful. I get if a guy is playing in front of him that you really like. The guy in front of him is playing pretty well. You have to he has to show he can take the guy's spot. But when you give minutes to Sasha, you're like you're almost like making a joke. Hey, um, you have to play better, and haha, Sasha gets to play play in front of you, even though the guy plays like garbage. Yeah, some combination of that, and well, he knows the system. So the argument being, by plugging in guys who quote unquote really know the system, then that will make everyone around them better understand the system, and that's just not how it works. Particularly when they're playing as badly as Sasha Vujicic has just played. You know, when you have a three per 
how is that really helping the guys around you learn the triangle system? I, yeah. I, I'm putting thoughts and words into Rambus's you know, head and mouth, but I feel like that's part of the, the consideration here. It's part of the consideration why they brought why they brought him on. He's a great locker room guy, quote unquote, and he knows the system. And having guys who know the system make everyone else learn it more easily. I I was going through a when I watched the Toronto game, I was just writing a list of things that just drive me crazy. And uh, this week, just for people listening right now, we uh, the Knicks played Toronto, got their came close to winning, but they lost. Uh, beat the Magic was great. Um, and is that the only games of the week, Jay? Or any yeah, others? that was it. Oh, fun Sasha fact: the last time he hit a shot was February seventh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Sasha. I was like, I was like, watch that game. <laughs> good, good teams have veteran leadership. Good teams have good locker room guys. Bad teams just have old guys that can't play anymore. And guys that stink. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And the Knicks are a bad team. I'm not yeah. saying they're a bad team because they have old guys who can't play. That's not the only reason. But it's it's a... It's, it's that veteran leadership and a good locker room guy on a good team that actually means something, on a bad team that's a euphemism for, well, he can't play, but um, here's why he's around here because he's... He, he, and we promise that there's intangibles that it's really, that's really helping, even though no one can see it and there's no evidence of it. Yeah, that's uh, exactly it. And, and it, it speaks to something that I've, I've thought way too often about, and that is Phil worships. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Red Holtzman. And I talk about this in a recent article I wrote, but there's a scene in the 30 for 30 documentary when the Garden was eaten, and Phil's talking about Red Holtzman's first day as head coach of the Knicks and how he took the, the play sheets and just rolled them up and threw them away. And so this is what I think about plays. You know, I think you play together. I think you play defense and everything sort of, you know, feeds off of that. And he was raised in a system that put so much primacy on being creative and being flexible and um, never doing the same thing twice. And now we see this Phil Jackson at 70 plus years old, who is so set in his ways that he has become the thing that he hated. And I know that's getting way too deep into sort of social psychological minutia, but it's something that I thought a lot about, like how stubborn he's, he's become in a lot of ways over the years. I, I do think there's something also the extent of a, uh, he's had so much success with his ways that you become even more inflexible about it because you're like, I know better because look how much success I've had. Yeah. Um, why do the yep. Knicks always? Why do the Knicks always pick guys 
who have a system that they expect everyone to adapt to as opposed to like adapting their system to the players they have? That's a great question. Uh, you know, with D'Antoni, I think it was just the shiny new toy. It was this super exciting, super engaging offense that, you know, in the garden, the Mecca in front of that crowd was going to set the world on fire. And with the, the exception of the 2010, 2011 season, that really never happened. And yeah, it, it's, 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 it's an issue. And I think, I mean, let's, let's give Phil some credit. His first choice was Steve Kerr and we've seen how that worked out. Now, you easily make the argument, well, how much does Steve Kerr really have to do with the Warriors' success? But it's not nothing. It's, it's more than zero. And, right. you know, there is a reason why Kerr was his first choice, and maybe it has something to do with um, sort of his open-mindedness. Um, knowing the triangle, understanding the triangle, being willing to implement aspects of the triangle, but within the confines of something a little more dynamic. I mean, obviously it's working well in Golden's Day, and you could say – Kerr must be doing something. I mean, obviously he can't make um, he can't make Steph Curry be able to hit shots with his um, eyes closed from fifty feet away because you can just do that anyway. But the team is definitely better than they were under Mark Jackson. So yep. you have to give him some credit for that. Um, and Mark Jackson was not a terrible coach. Right, right. I mean, the team the team he wasn't also, good. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. I don't even, he's better than Derek Fisher, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not not a high bar. Um, and the team, the team was – they won like 50 games under Mark Jackson. It wasn't like they were a bad team. And they were a team – you have to say they took, they took the next level, the next leap under Steve Kerr, and that's something. Uh, whatever. I mean, it's also weird that we have to always pick coaches. It seems now under Phil Jackson we have to always take coaches that are in, within his world of uh, people he knows well, uh, which eliminates a guy like Thibodeau, which is kind of frustrating. Instead, we have to get like a – Rambis or a Fisher had an experience. But a number, a number of people have, have, have talked about this. Like, Thibodeau ran elements of the triangle in Chicago. Right. And he, 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 he's a garden guy. You know, he was an assistant to Van Gundy, and I guess he leaked through a source that he would love nothing more than to come back to the garden. Who knows how true that is? But if you're willing to be flexible, he's the kind of guy that you're willing to be flexible for because – He'll bring back that emphasis on defense in a tangible, strategically meaningful way. And Knicks fans love nothing more than defense. You know, good. I, that's, you know, it, it, it harkens back to the days of Riley. And I just think that's the move. Uh, whether they do it or not, we'll see. But he's been a free agent for a while now. And I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get back in the game. And what better place than the Madison Square Garden? Be an amazing. Uh, it would be. It would be. I mean, you don't never know what's going to actually happen. But it'd be nice to have a coach who has a real track record of winning. Um, not a. Not a like a style. I have to play this kind of weird style that you guys have to adapt to. A guy that the guy that they sh- things should work out. Um, and they don't work out on him. You at least you go like, well, we have a good coach. The coaching is not the issue. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. I, I was thinking also just what you mentioned before about the uh, the the Knicks and their belief that they can still make the playoffs. I was thinking of that scene from, uh, you guys have seen Dumb and Dumber, right? Mm-hmm. That scene where she's like, how about, you're, what are my chances with you? One in one million or one in one billion? And he's like, you're saying, so you're saying, I still have a chance. Do you think yep. the Knicks, the Knicks watched that scene and didn't get it, it was like a comedy? <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly. If you one in a million, you still have a shot. 
Well, um, it's what you're telling the press, what you're telling the fans, is what you believe in your heart of hearts. I, I, I don't believe Rambus is dumb enough to think that they actually have a chance. But you want to put on airs. You want to put on – you, know, you want to exude an air of positivity, both to your fans and your players, to keep morale high. And I get it. It's just uh, when it starts to affect how you're playing guys, when you're playing guys, and who you're playing, and then you have to start to wonder. Do you think that contributed to Fisher getting fired when he just like said the emperor has no clothes? We're uh, we're not trying to make the playoffs here. It's not that important. Yeah, yeah. People cited that as one of the things that irked Jackson, but who knows what the uh, what the brunt of the offenses were and what the straw was? Like it's it's impossible to say. Maybe we'll never know. Um, so I mentioned before, I was watching the Toronto game. I made a list of things that drove me crazy. Um, I just want to get your comment on some of these things, if you don't mind. Uh, so I've noticed when the Knicks on defense, there's so often you see a guy that's open, and then you, like, I will wind back with DVR, and I'll see the guy that was covering him just wandered away from him. Have you noticed the Knicks just wander away from the guys they're covering all the time? Like, if you stand and find the arc, it's like the Knicks think there's a force field and they can't cover you anymore. Oh, they definitely have... And it's because we watch them, obviously, more than any other team. But they have really, really offensive lapses at times, and that gets to communication. It gets to desire and hustle and all the you know all the um, rote superlatives. But more than anything, it's about communication, and it's a problem that's been happening for years: the inability to defend the three-point line, you know, the uh, the complete lack of or. or a complete lack. I mean, Gallo is a decent perimeter defender. Calderon's a train wreck. Vujicic is a train wreck. Grant is, he's quick and he's athletic, but he's often making the wrong decisions. And the same problems that have plagued us for, for seasons. It just, um, it just seems to me if you would just like stayed with your man, I understand like the teams run more complicated offenses. So you have to like get over picks and everything else. But if you just, in the very, the very least, if, like wherever your guy is standing, you stayed relatively near him. The Knicks would play better basketball. It's so often the guy just like they wander away from the guy, even if he's not behind the three point line. They wander away from the guy, and then suddenly the guy has a layup under the basket. You're like, who was covering him? I rewind back. Oh, Calderon was supposed to be covering him ten seconds ago and just gave up. I also find the Knicks. Yep. Cha- the Knicks also. Uh, I've never seen guys all chase the ball like they're all like a bunch of like like golden retrievers. It's so often you see like four guys just like go like the guy's dribbling, four guys will collapse on him, and then everyone else is open. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, say what you will about Woodson uh, and his switch on everything defense, but it did make for a slightly more sturdy perimeter defense. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty awful thing to say that uh, that uh, Woodson's defense was a better idea than what we have now. Wasn't a good coach or a great coach? No, but was he terrible? I, I don't think he was terrible. I mean, a team won fifty-four games, and they did. They weren't them. You can't ahead. argue with you can't argue with the success. Yes, I agree. No, he's done some things. He's done some things. I wouldn't be surprised if he got another go at it. You know, he's not very creative. He, he's not going to win you a championship. But I mean, watching Rambus and 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 Fisher. Makes you pine for those days a little bit. What Strange does it say about our say. coaches, though, that they all leave the Knicks to become assistant coaches? <laughs> well, you got a pretty cushy gig now with uh, the Clippers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he just uh, has good seats. Well, <laughs> I mean, D'Antoni did leave and become the coach of the Lakers, and after enough Laker fans killed themselves, they got rid of him. 
True. <laughs> Poor Mike D'Antoni, uh, man. I, I can go back to 2007 and the travesty in the Spurs series, but you can make an argument that D'Antoni deserved one championship. I mean, for what he did for the game. Well, I think and, the Suns got robbed one year. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was 07. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's something to be said also in the right system with the right players. Like you can be a really great coach with the right players, and then have it just not work with anyone else. Yep. Um, another thing driving me crazy is they still walk the ball up too often. I've never seen a team wait for the other team to get defense their defense set up before starting their offense. Like every time, does that drive you crazy at all? How they walk the ball up all the time? Do you remember the opening game against the Bucks, and they were getting out in transition and getting all these easy buckets, and you're like, yeah, man, 2015-16 Knicks. Like, up-tempo, let's push it, you know? Get into the triangle when all when all options are, are exhausted, and, and let's run. And that lasted, like, three games. And I believe they're still – I haven't looked at the pace stats in a while, but I'm assuming they're still bottom three in that department. And – Again, it's just not a tw- not a functioning 21st century offense, and maybe better players improve that with the same system. But I feel more like it's a combination of better players and a better system, or at least a more dynamic system. I noticed the other night they uh, Calderon and uh, Porzingis had two back to back plays where they were like they did pick and roll, or maybe it wasn't back to back, but they had two pick and rolls that worked great, and then they just never went back to it. Mm-hmm. The aversion to the pick and roll just drives me insane because it seems like with a guy like Porzingis, the pick and roll would work fantastic. And there was one also, uh, I think, uh, in the Orlando game where where Mello and uh, Porzingis had a, a fantastic pick and roll play. I'd have to look at the uh, the synergy numbers, but I would surmise that any play that involves Porzingis in a pick and roll or a pick and pop is one of the more efficient plays of the next year on. They haven't run a lot of them, but I. I'd, I'd be willing to wager that there was an like article top five play in terms of efficiency <laughs> and why they yeah. don't go to it more. It speaks to that stubbornness. Fisher talked a couple of times about how he's not a huge fan of pick and roll. It's, 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 it's incredible. And yeah, particularly given Porzingis' skill set, he's not a reliable role man yet. He still needs to get stronger. He still needs to develop his touch around the rim, but at the very least, you can run a few pick and pops with him in every quarter and make the defense play to him because even if they close out, he still has the ability to drive. He has great vision on the kickout. And instead, he's often forced to find his own shot in the offense. And it's ironic that Rambis yells at him for that, but it's an offense where you're not getting a ton of screens set for you, particularly after you have the ball. And and he's making the most of it and then getting scorned for it. You know? I, I also find it's weird because they, criti- they, they criticize and, like Porzingis are like, he's not really good at the, creating his own shot. And I'm like, oh, because there are a lot of guys that were 7-3 in the history of the NBA who can create their own shot. It's the point of, like, like, you don't ask Shaq to create his own shot. You got him the ball. Mm-hmm. Not that Porzingis is like Shaq or anything, but uh, it seems to me you should be working as hard as possible to set him up because he's a guy that can really finish for you if you could just set more screens or... And, and, and I, I, I understand the perspective of, of bringing him along slowly and not putting too much on him too soon. I get that. And I'm totally fine with him getting 14 shots a game when Carl Anthony Towns is getting 20. But I get why they're doing it, and I think 
you know, you're only going to invite trouble if you're asking them to do too much. Um, that being said, they could be a little more creative about the situations that they're putting him in. Um, and not having him have to freelance every at every turn. Yeah, I just think it could be a little more team basketball we could set him up. I, I kind of think of the triangle some ways. Like, I get that it's supposed to create better shots. Sometimes I feel like the Knicks are saying, hey, we don't have as much talent as every team in the NBA, but we're going to try to win with one hand tied behind our back also. We're going to make it even harder yep. for us to win. Yeah, that's uh, exactly it. And it's a combination of everything. It's the talent. It's the offense. It's the lack of creativity. It's the coaching. Um, all the things that will lead us to a title eventually. Exactly. I, the other thing I've noticed thinking of Porzingis is that Porzingis and Lopez, sometimes they get them the ball down low. But a lot of times I've noticed they, get the, they, they pass their big men – I feel like too far from the basket. And I get if you're maybe setting a Porzingis up for a three, but sometimes they'll, they'll give the ball to a, they'll give the ball to Porzingis or Lopez at the top of the key, and like and they're gonna pass, and it just becomes, what was the point of passing to especially Lopez? What was the point of passing to Lopez at the top of the key? What was he gonna do with the ball besides pass it off? Well, they're hoping he makes quick decisions, and for the most part, uh, both. Well, Porzingis is, is is a little more adept at that. I feel like Lopez holds the ball a little too long sometimes. I mean, everyone's prone to it. Um, but yeah, it's... I, 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 feel like, I feel like when they pass the ball to Lopez up at the top of the screen, it, it becomes like Lopez is trying to inbound the ball again. And no one covers him. Everyone just covers everyone else, and he's like... And it leads to a lot of turnovers. Um, yeah, so, and Calderon in particular is really bad about missing the open guy. And he does it like three times a game. And well, it's I, really blatant, and there's a reason why Jose Calderon is Jose Calderon. He's not Chris Paul. Um, he's not going to thread the needle the way you want your starting point guard to, to thread the needle. And, it, it, you know, even Grant shows flashes of that, and he shows flashes of it at Notre Dame. So, I don't know. I, I keep going back to Calderon. I mean, so much starts at the point guard position, and um, I'm fine with him being a backup, even on our team, but he cannot be the starting point guard next season, and I, I don't believe he will be. What about uh, like putting Grant and Calderon out there? Like Grant is the point guard and Calderon is the shooting guard, and you have a little bit of like the the uh, the veteran guy at the kind of bounce. It's kind of a two point guard system where Calderon is instructed to look more for his offense. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I uh, I'd be curious to look at the numbers, um, what their plus minus is, and the two of them are on the floor together. Um, I guess that's fair. I I, I can't imagine there's that much. Uh, even a uh, time where they're on the floor together, but uh... no, it hasn't been a lot. It, it hasn't been a lot. Uh, but yeah, they would benefit Grant to play alongside, you know, a shooter like that for for sure. I mean, it opens up possibilities for him as a as a as a penetrator. And so, I mean, I also find Calderon also to a certain extent. What beyond the fact that he's not great at creating is that sometimes he'll pass the ball at the detriment to the offense. Like they'll, it'll somehow like there'll be ten seconds left in the shot clock, and he'll be perfectly open, but feel like he has to still pass to someone else. And he'll pass in a situation where you're like, well, Calderon, you could have just shot the ball there, and now the guy you passed to wasn't necessarily ready and ready, and you, or you or you made more time run the clock for no reason. Yep. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I also just watched. Uh, I have the background of the game on right now, and I saw Sasha just chasing. Some- He's on the floor, which makes me angry enough. Um, and just chasing someone on defense and not catching up to the guy. The guy scored. Has Sasha ever stayed with his man? 
<laughs> so there was a stretch there of about three games where he wasn't playing awful defense. Uh, and I haven't really watched much of the last three games, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff going on with with work and whatnot. But I really just don't understand what he provides at any given time. I, I think I've seen him make two consecutive shots once this season. I don't remember I, I, what game that was, but he like he, he went off one quarter um, in a game that I'm assuming we lost. Uh, <laughs> there was a there was on defense. What drives me crazy also is that like he'll be covering someone and the guy will fake to say the right, and Sasha will throw his entire body to the right, and the guy will just run like there'll be a clear lane where the Sasha used to be standing right to the basket, yeah. and I've never seen a guy do that more often get faked out. Um, He's got to have some dirt. On someone, I don't know if it's Rambus or Jackson or. I mean, neither think, would surprise me. Do you think Chris Smith watches it and be like, "I mean, I get like you guys didn't want to get Jared's brother." Chris is Jared's brother, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Chris yeah, Smith yeah. just signed yeah. with the St. John Mill Rats of the Canadian Basketball League. Oh no, shit! Where are they now? <laughs> I was gonna say, do you think Chris watches some Sasha and be like, "Well, I'm as good as him. This is bullshit." <laughs> I, I okay. So as amazing as this sounds, as amazing as this sounds, Sasha Vujicic is three times the player right now than Chris Smith ever was. I, I think you're correct. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you can always say like, Chris Smith is probably 800 times the player that I am. Doesn't mean that he should be in the NBA. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, he's a thousand times the player, and, and that's and that's fine. I mean, he is who he is. Uh, it's kind of surprising. I remember watching him at Louisville, and not to say that I thought he would ever be like a starting caliber player in the NBA, but it was pretty jarring watching how horribly he struggled, even like at summer league um, after coming out of Louisville. I mean, part of it is just well, let's that. Let's not beat up on Chris Smith. But that's not why we're here. I don't no, think. no, no. There was an article. I don't know if you saw. I was on a, a fan sided about the Spurs and how they maximize three point shooting. And how they've just they've changed their approach to three point shooting, where it's more about them trying to penetrate and having three point and being a result of the play, um, but they're not looking for the three necessarily. And they, and it's shown they uh, they don't shoot nearly as many threes as they have in past seasons, but they're one of the top teams in percentage making. I think they're right behind Golden State for how, how, what percentage they're actually making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting idea of like, well, I mean the Spurs obviously they're always smarter than everyone else. Um, but it was an interesting thing of trying to like, I see when I watch the Knicks, sometimes I just see them. There's so many plays where the Knicks just settle immediately for old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Or an open 20-foot shot. Or uh, they, they say shoot for three, shoot a three right when there's like five seconds 
like three seconds of it has expired on the on the shot clock. It's like their first thing they do is just jack it up because they're open, and it drives me insane. It's yeah because the offense is so rote and stagnant that they expect not to get that many open looks later in the offense. So the first one they get, they're going to shoot. And again, I'm I'm speaking. Uh, <laughs> I'm digging way too deep into the psychology of that, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it stems from just how predictable the offense is, and the I, Knicks basically saying mid-range jump shots are okay, and mid-range jump mid-range jump shots are okay as long as they're good mid-range jump shots and you make them, you know. But to sort of fancy yourself as rebellious or forward-thinking because you're going to embrace the mid-range jump shot while everyone else is chucking three. It seems, seems counterproductive. I don't know if you guys have uh, watched the Thunder Warriors game yesterday, but I found it jarring how much the ball moved around. I, I guess I've been watching too many Knicks games, but watching both of those teams move the ball around constantly, I was like, oh, this is what basketball is supposed to look like, huh? I, I missed that game. Yeah. They, they looked like it was like from the score, like it was a great game, and I read online it seemed like a great game. I looked at Draymond Green's stat line could be the most insane stat line I've ever seen of any player in the history of the NBA. Did you guys see his stat line? No. He, his stat line, let me pull this up. This is the most insane stat line you've ever, like, because it basically, two seconds to pull this up. Um, he had, I think, uh, zero points or two points in the game. It sounds like you should be, he had two points in the game, so that should be a pretty awful stat line. He has two points on O freight shooting. But then he has 14 rebounds, 14 assists, six steals, and four blocks. <laughs> that is the most insane stat line I've ever yeah, heard in my life. I guarantee if you filter that on basketball reference, that'll be the only thing that comes up. I mean, who scores two points and has an amazing game? That's bananas. And he played really good defense as well. Well, I don't about the ball movement thing, because it is fascinating, and I could be grasping on straws here, but... The triangle is notorious for being a difficult offense to learn, an even more difficult one to master. And in a game of split-second decisions, when you're thinking, even if it's for a split second, about where you have to be when the ball moves, that inherently slows down the offense. Just that split-second of hesitation. Obviously, every offense, you need to know where to be when the ball moves. You need to know where to be when X happens, when Y happens, when Z happens. But it seems like even if you put the fastest players in the world into this offense, it would still feel slower. Does that make sense? Well, I think yeah. part of just in fairness, the Knicks every year assemble eight or nine new players they've never had on the roster, and they have to learn to play together. And I think feel like a system that you just described for the triangle, you need a roster that's been playing together for years with this system to really maximize it. Yep. Because right now you have to think too much to really make it work. Yep. And next year, we'll probably have like seven new guys. Which is what makes their roster construction have such a small margin for error because you need to keep guys around in order to, quote-unquote, maintain that system. But you need better players. So what's that balance? Right, right. If next year they're saying, well, you know, he's not very good, but he knows the system. We're going to bring Sasha back. I might, like, shoot myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's a tough... I mean, it's always a matter of also, it's hard to also look at a system that's only been very successful with 
some of the best players in the history of the NBA and go, well, that system uh, could translate to every other team. I mean, there's a reason why other teams aren't necessarily running this system. Sasha just got a steal. Wow. And a hockey assist. And a hockey assist. Oh, good for him. Sorry. No, no. I thought that was I thought that was an, impro- an important that, programming note. That is an important programming note. Actually, I don't want to hear that thing because then, then he'll get more minutes. Yeah, uh, no, he just he just he just guaranteed himself the starting spot in the next game. Actually, oh, wonderful. his streak of not hitting a shot has continued though. Um, I also noticed basically the uh, the point guards, whoever they have. They're so often like I just think the Knicks do a lot of lazy things from the shooting the the, the the minute they get the second they get an open twenty foot shot they just shoot that shot and don't look for anything better to the point guards so often they dribble the ball up slowly and then pass before they ever even get to the arc. There's very little like attempt. I don't know if it's like just the players are tired, but it's very little attempt to actually just like cross the three point line and then try to pass, try to like break down the defense at all. Well, Jose Calderon can't. Right, I mean, and once in a while he does, though. Once in a while he does. Well, he's got a good hand. I mean, there's a reason why he has one of the highest uh, or lowest, one of the best assisted turnover ratios in the league. He he, he holds on to the ball, and and I, um, I look at his past stats. I understand he's a little older now, but like for so many years, he was getting eight assists a game, no problem. He's one. You never, you never. At no point was he ever a great defender, but he used to be a really good. Point guard. I don't remember watching him play all those years, but like, what was so? Di- was he breaking guys down? Was he breaking down the defenses more then, or what? He wasn't thirty-four. Uh, a lot of those years, he was playing with Bosch, like prime Bosch. That helped. Um, and that was a good team they had in Toronto there for a couple of years. Anyway. Yeah, no, they definitely uh, were a good team. Uh, uh, yeah, poor Jose. I, I, I feel bad. We've just been ragging on him this entire time. But I like Jose and and, and and like I said, I feel like his destiny is and should be as a backup on a good team. And maybe there's a universe in which he's a really good backup on our team and the Knicks are really good. But and I don't know what they can get for him. You know, that's the other thing. Not gonna get first for him obviously and you know, maybe they get an expiring and in, in a second rounder, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I just saw uh, uh, D. Will had a, a nice a nice break to the basket. Um, why did he disappear for like 15 games? I feel like he was playing really. He had a good stretch. Where he was playing really well, and then just went away for like 10 or 15 games. Maybe during that losing streak, and now suddenly he's back. Um. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, it, it's their rotations have been a mess all year, and. I don't know if it's an accident that D. Will's dearth of playing time has overlapped with Rambus coming to the floor. I don't know if Rambus doesn't like him as much as Fisher does. So I, I really it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean he had disappeared before that, but um, it always seemed to pop back up and have a stretch of really good three or four games. And uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he handles this summer. Um, I imagine he's earned himself a little bit bigger of a payday if he wants it. So. Yeah, probably won't pick up his option and become a free agent. What do you What do you think the uh, the goals for the rest of the season should be for this team outside of making the playoffs? I think it's developing the young guys. That should be the goal. I don't know if it will be the goal or whether it'll be even a point of emphasis for, for Rambus. But 
it should be about working guys in, finding a coherent rotation, but rotations wherein the young guys can learn to play together. And the principal young guys being Porzingis, Grant, and Galloway. I mean, I feel like they're probably a part of the future unless something crazy happens, but it's got to be about, it sounds cliche, but just ending on a high note and, and going into the summer with a little bit of momentum and seeing what you got in your young guys because building this team into a contender is going to be the highest of high wire acts and you need to be able to utilize and make the most of the cheap talent that you have. That's just today's NBA. I mean, so of the guys, I obviously there's their players that we know are, we're hoping are part of our future. We know Porzingis is going to be hopefully part of our future. Melo's here to stay part of our future for now, or at least the, uh, the interim future. What are some of these guys on the bench? Do you think a guy like D will, is he part of our bench or is he someone that won't be here next year? I'm not sure if he's signed. I think my guess signed. is that he won't be here next year unless he, you know, decides to pick up his option, which is possible. But with the cap going up and given his sort of bounce back year and how well he's sort of carved a niche, I feel like he can go out and fetch more money somewhere else. But you know, maybe he does the Knicks solid for giving him a chance and, and sticks around. Uh, O'Quinn's been a disappointment, obviously, so it'll be interesting to see how he factors in going forward. And um, Seraphin, well, Seraphin, not... Seraphin, also a, a massive disappointment. I was expecting a little more. I mean, he's just a black hole in offense. It's what about uh, what about Lance Thomas? For a while, had been one of the like the guys who were like, "Wow, I can't believe how good he's been playing." Uh, shit, what's his contract? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope that's helpful. Uh, Jay, any idea? His contract is currently last year uh, minimum salary, 1.6. Oh, okay. This, okay, he's just on, he was on one year. He was on a two-year last year. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's got, obviously going to get more money coming going next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Nick's obviously really like him for good reason. He's put in the work. He is, by all accounts, a really likable guy. Uh, and uh, does things when he's out there. Plays both ends of the floor. Um, never drives, tries to do too much. Um, I'd like to see him stick around. Um, he's the kind of guy you want as sort of a, you know, eighth, ninth man on a, on a decent team. Maybe tenth man, but a rotation guy. I mean, just also just a comment on uh, salary cap. Uh, <laughs> just the Knicks uh, only have so much money to spend next year. Do you think it's fair that the uh, Cleveland gets to spend forty million dollars more than the Knicks do this year? I think that's that, that's that, I think that's the difference. The uh, or Knicks are around seventy five million. They encounter about one hundred and eight million dollars. Yeah. Does that make it fair in the NBA to have teams like I looked at the uh, and people said I'm bitching about this for no reason that I. I shouldn't be bitching about this, but they, all the best teams get to spend the most money and all the worst teams get to spend the least money with rare exceptions. This is salary cap. Yeah. Salary How much is uh, over the cap though? Well, they're $108 million. So, uh, whatever the salary cap, uh, like, I guess, yeah, they're like 40 million. And yeah. they're going to be repeater soon. So they're going to be paying a massive amount. Right. But I mean, if we could, if Dolan was allowed to, I probably, he probably would. That's the one thing I don't think. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think you would hesitate. If if you felt like that was if, that if was they the said, move, 
if they said you just pay a tax on it and you can spend 50 million more, we'd have a better team. I, I feel like if we got to spend as much as Cleveland did, we'd probably be in the playoffs at least. Yeah, but it's how it's you know it's how you get there though. I mean, we you know, know I mean? like, like I, I get the whole bird right thing. I just think yeah. it's stupid. I, yeah, I think maybe you get one player that could do it. I just have a team. I get if you want to have one guy who remain the team, but I have a whole team where everyone's like a bird rights and like the, like the, the salary cap becomes a joke. It's like the bird rights were for Larry Bird, and now people are using it on players like Varejao. Steve Novak got to use the bird rights. <laughs> Steve Novak is not Larry Bird. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like Cleveland's massive spending is going to be for naught. So maybe okay. not the best example, but uh, I mean, the rising cap helps every team, right? But I feel like it helps the bigger market teams a little more. And obviously being a big market isn't the automatic magnet that it used to be, but it still is. And Madison Square Garden is still an attractive, attractive thing. And I don't foresee necessarily Westbrook or Durant coming here, but Mike Conley, certainly possible. Um, what do you what do you think about Conley? Do you think uh, the Knicks should go for him? I think they'll make a run at him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be a it would be a pretty solid addition. He wouldn't like solve all our problems, but uh, we'd have a lot better point guard. And his contract would basically be, uh, as someone pointed out on our last show, if you sign him to a four or five year deal. His contracts wouldn't be that different than Melo. Like you'd have him around the same amount of time you have Melo. So even though he's aging, you were you had an aging Melo anyway the whole time. But you were you were kind of you were, you were kind of basically going for trying to win anyhow at that point. Sorry, you you broke up a little bit. Can you say that? Oh, again? sorry. Um, this, someone pointed out that the contracts kind of align in the sense if you sign um, him to a four year, say a four year max deal, three of those years Melo's Melo would be there. So the idea yeah. of saying, hey, we're going after another aging player. Well, we already have aging Mellow at that time anyway. So it's not like we're, right. going, we're going fully young anyway. So at least you're trying to maximize those Mellow years. Yeah, that would sort of, that would be the goal. Um, if, if we traded Mellow, you know, ahead of the draft, for example, I don't think Conlon would be as big of a target. Do you think... Uh, I don't think he'd come here. Would you say that somewhere on Earth, every hour of every day, there's a new... Rumor about Melo being traded. <laughs> it certainly seems that way. Um, what do you think about the Boston one? The uh, the Celtics came out and just said uh, we were very close to acquiring a star player at the deadline, and now we're going to leak let it leak out that it was that that star player was your your team's player. Like the so, yeah, it, it seems like the, it could be Melo. It could have been Okafor. It could have been. It's it's like they're trying to spread bad blood everywhere. Yeah, I, I heard a rumor that, that they reached out to the Knicks interested in Melo. I don't know whether the Knicks just hung up outright or if they – and Melo said he wasn't approached about waiting his no-trade clause. And I don't think he would have. As good as Boston is, as much potential as they have, I don't think Melo looks at them like the kind of team that he would waive his no-trade clause for. I think he would have you know, waived his no-trade clause for – the Cavs for the Clippers. Um, who else? Lakers. Possibly the Heat, because there are other factors that play into it other than sort of how close they are to being contender, whether it's friends or on the team. Um, there's just different optics that 
stars look at these things through. You know what I mean? So um, Boston would have been a great situation for him, honestly. I mean, Stevens is already a top five coach. They have a great system. They have a great sort of, you know, sneaky deep team. And and within a couple of years, they could have been in in real contention. But um, I don't know. Do you guys think that, he waived it or I mean, he, he just wasn't approached about it or Jackson just hung up or how do you think that all played out? If it played out at all? Um, I, I, my guess would be that the, uh, this, whatever the offer the Celtics made wasn't good enough to approach him. Yeah. Like maybe it was just one first round or like Phil wanted three and they offered two or they offered one Phil wanted two kind of thing. Right. I, I think there were probably preliminary discussions Whatever they offered wasn't something where like Phil was like it's worth even really like going going hard on this because we're not getting where we want and the approach the the trade mellow and only get one pick is not going to make sense for us. That 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 I assume it's something along those lines. I assume if they made a legitimate offer that would made sense, they I don't know. Do you think Phil would trade mellow if he got a good offer? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I think if he he had an offer he couldn't refuse, and it was a team that Melo waived, absolutely, I think they would they would work that out. I think yeah. teams are are still used to swindling the Knicks on trade deals, so they just call in with low ball offers, forgetting that like Phil's there now. Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably. The, the Nets probably called and said, "We'll give you Bargs for Melo. You really not going to do this? <laughs> Where's Bargs going to go now? By the way, Europe. Um, yeah, Europe." Do you think an NBA yeah. team's going to sign Bargs? He'll he'll probably be the MVP of the Euro League like ten years in a row. Yeah. Can you believe how bad that trade was? I mean, when you think back at it, like when you, I didn't, I, I, Jay had mentioned to me that uh, there were second round picks involved, and I had forgotten all about that. And I was like, wait a second, we gave a first round and second round players, second round picks and players for him. Two it first like, round picks. No, it was one first round pick, two second round. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. And then three players on top of that for a guy who was going right. to get bought out like two weeks later. Uh, no, you don't want to happen. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work out well. <laughs> no, I don't think I was, optimi- I was, I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, what do you do? Like 26 at the time. So arguably hadn't reached his prime yet. Maybe a new city, new environment rejuvenates him. one where he's not, you know, the number one option. Uh, Everyone had to talk themselves into it. Everyone, everyone said right away, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening." Wait, you know, stretch guy. You know, he was a number one. Pick. We all tried to talk ourselves into it, and then we knew really fast this was going to be a disaster. Everyone looked yep. at that one good season he had like four years ago, and they're like, "Well, maybe he could do that again." And then we were like, "Oh well, 2016 pick. I mean, like, you know, the Earth's going to end in 2015, so like, we don't have the, like, the Mayans said it's never going to happen. So don't worry about it." I don't know. It was just like yeah, a, that'll, that'll, that'll go down as uh, one of the all-time great swindles for sure. Uh, I, I can't think of a worse trade the Knicks have ever made. Uh, well, Jim, I know uh, I know you said you had to go after 45 minutes. So, uh, uh, you know, if you got to go, just let us know. Um, we appreciate your time on the show. This has been great. I mean, we're not oh. kicking you off. No, anything, no, we're not but, kicking uh, you off. You can stay, but we also want to also. That's be all right. I, this, that would only be the third time this week I've been kicked off the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to be cognizant and not uh, have you be like looking for your cue to get off the show and like we're in, 
Reality. Right. It's like, hey, uh, why don't we just ask you 45 more minutes of uh, questions? You don't mind, right? <laughs> We've got a old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hold this. Yeah, well, it looks like, looks, like the, looks like the Knicks are going to screw the pooch again. And, um, yeah, sorry we couldn't have spoken under better circumstances. but Yeah, it was a pretty, I guess, uh, pretty ne- I guess we were very negative, which is we, we usually are pretty negative because we talk about the Knicks. Uh, <laughs> this is a Knicks podcast. So. Do you, here, here's a question. Uh, someone had asked me this. Um, and I, I said, I think this is actually actually will happen. Say five years from now, Porzingis, let's, do, you th- do you think he'll be a top five player? Do you think he'll potentially be a top five player in five years? Uh, it certainly has the potential, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it's likely because uh, there's so much young talent in this league and it's just impossible to say. But he has that potential, certainly. If you had a bet, I, I feel I feel safer saying top ten than top five. Obviously, uh, if you had a bet, you bet fifty bucks. You had you have to get the, the right uh, the right five. Would you say he's top five, six through ten, set eleven through fifteen in five years? Um, in five years, I would say twenty five. Yeah, I, I would I would say between ugh, tough. Tough. I say top twelve. Okay, okay. <laughs> the top twelve player, which would be a pretty good. Eat, would be pretty good. Fifteen almost feels like shortchanging, particularly given how much I love the kid and how phenomenal I think he can be. But there's just so much talent, and I, I would say, yeah, but between ten and fifteen. Which gives me, I mean, I feel I, safe I, as saying, but it would not surprise me in the least if you were a top five player. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if he, even if he's a top fifteen player, it's a lot to build around. We do have a bright future. It's just hard to see it through all the the negatives right now. We're very early on in rebuilding, and we have to kind of realize that. Yep. Um, Is that your attempt? That's exactly. To yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, for as badly as this season has gone, um, for as weird a roller coaster as it's been, we should do a better job of keeping things in perspective and realize that we maybe landed the steal of this draft and a draft that could prove to be an historically great one. Right. I mean, so even all, forward to. and towns looks amazing also. And I, 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 I hate that we have to keep comparing him forcing us to towns, but in towns is for him, at least he also has like, he's kind of like the focal point, him and Wiggins, but like he's getting, he's very much more of the focal point of the offense and he has a real point guard. It kind of makes it a little bit easier for him. And there's also no pressure because the team sure. is terrible to begin with. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think he's the better player. I don't think it's that arguable at this point. Um, and it's pro- it's likely that he will always be the better player. But you just never know how these guys develop, how injuries play a role, um, team construction, all of it. Uh, it's, it's just impossible to predict. Um, would it be the most shocking thing in the world to me if Porzingis turned out to be the better player 10 years from now? No, it wouldn't. But, you know, I'm not betting the house on it. Um, and Jay will hate, hate this comparison, but if you if uh, Towns is the LeBron in this draft and uh, Porzingis is the, the Dwayne Wade, I'd be very happy. I think we'd all be happy with that, yeah. Jay hates, Jay hates Dwayne Wade, but uh, beyond that. It's <laughs> um, all right. He, he won three championships, so I'll take it. He's kind of good. He's kind of good. He's kind of good. <laughs> you think? Uh, you think Golden State gets it done? They they break the record, go undefeated in the playoffs, and become the greatest team ever. Oh wow, this is perfect. This will give me a chance to plug my article for tomorrow. Yeah, so uh, tomorrow on the Cauldron, um, my piece uh, five keys to stopping the Golden State Warriors is going up. Um, I don't want to give away all five of them. Can I? Can I? Guess? I will say. That, I will say that one of them is. To poison them. <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm gonna say. I was gonna try to guess them. I was gonna say one of them is knocking them the correct, the correct time of the game. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think they win. I think they win 75 games, and I think they roll to the championship, barring injury. Obviously, nobody can stop these guys. They're the most unstoppable force I've ever seen on a professional basketball court, and I, it's just a sight to behold. And I think we're we're. We're really fortunate to be able to witness it. My, my number two for stopping them, uh, Jeff Galuli. Do you guys remember him? <laughs> is that uh, Nancy Kerrigan? That is a Tanya Harding, oh, yeah. Nancy Kerrigan yeah. reference. Yes, I'm going Olympic ice skating references. <laughs> um, poison would be a great one also. Uh, I mean, not like kill them, but, you know, like, like you know, confine them to a hospital bed for a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Number four, finding some way, some rule in the uh, somewhere in the NBA rules where we can make it so Dolan owns the, owns the team instead. <laughs> I'm sure Dolan would make sure they did not get that, that it did not work out. Uh, Steph Curry for uh, Bargs and a draft pick. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have, a, I don't think I have a fifth one. Jay, you have, you have any ways to stop Golden State? Uh, fill, uh replace the floorboards with. Uh, Trampolines like slam ball. <laughs> I just want to make a slam ball reference. I uh, that yeah, the whole point of this article basically is there is there is nothing you can do, and so the only thing you can resort to is basically flagrantly illegal things. I I got another one. Get Tom Brady to deflate the ball. <laughs> I bet the dribbling would we would not look so good if they uh, couldn't dribble. <laughs> That's good. I'm gonna have to add a six. Six ways you can stop them. I mean, Tom Brady peg alone is going to be worth a million clicks. Yeah, um, right I appreciate there. it. No, no problem. So uh, the cauldron, uh, the cauldron is where you could find Jim's articles, and J P C A V A N is the Twitter. So follow Jim on Twitter for uh, some some good tweets. Um, if you could also do some research to figure out how his name should be pronounced. Please let us know. <laughs> I would love to know. I would love to know. I'm also happy to know that I have some good tweets. You do. You do. You're uh, you're one of the few people I actually uh, don't regret following. 
I've stepped off my game recently, but um, it's always a pleasure, Jason, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, hope to do it before the end of the season so we can kind of decompress and talk about all this stuff anew and where we're going going forward. Sounds good. And, yeah, let's touch base uh, near the end of the season. Hopefully next time we're talking, we're like, yeah, Rambus is a genius. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> Sasha <Hilsha>. Hopefully. <laughs> I can't believe Sasha's been having a, averaging a triple-double since we last talked. <laughs> All right, Jim. Great talking to you again. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. All right. Thank thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. See you later. Bye. I'm going to play the goodbye song. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.